Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the Audio Time Capsule, episode 17. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I bring on a guest, get them to leave 20 questions, and then a year later bring them back on to answer them. I then edit it so they're talking to their past self. All past voices will sound like this. And all present voices will sound like this. To give you an idea of how the show is structured, here is a question I left myself just before this week's guest arrived. Simon, what question from a recent past guest has made a difference to you? That is such a cop-out. I'm running low on questions, mate. So, uh, yeah, but genuinely, I'd be interested to know what questions have made an impact on you and why? Why am I trying to screw my future self over with this sort of question? That seems like a self-defeating method of time travel. But okay, Simon, do that. You can deal with it. I'm all right. Uh, (laughs) I bet when I did that... I thought, oh, this would be really funny. I'll screw over my future self with a tricky question that has... um, I've got to put myself on the spot and now I'll have to edit out all the pauses. Um, I Actually, I'll tell you what, I recently put together Barry Ferns' podcast, which is really, really interesting. And I, from his episode, one of his questions was about looking after his feet. And I've only just realised how much I take mine for granted... And so I've started uh, like washing them properly and taking care of them. And I haven't gone like pedicure level. Is it pedicure? I don't know if it's pedicure, but I haven't gone like, you know, to a professional or anything. But I've got like a scrubber and like soap and stuff. So uh, that's been really good for me, I think. I mean, my, my day job is on my feet a lot, whether it be in the car driving or on the stage talking. So I figure start taking care of that in the same way you take care of your mental health and everything else. Oh, I hate my past self right now. Let's start the show. This week's guest is the wonderfully talented and consistently happy Beck Hill. Known for her visual comedy, so I thought she'll definitely, definitely love to come on an audio medium. Uh, a style known as paper puppetry, which has earned her a lot of views on YouTube, and she's gone viral a few times in that area. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely search for her channel and watch a lot of those clips as well. She's multi-talented, multi-award winning, and in this episode, she candidly talks about her experience within the TV industry, live work, and her new marriage. Before we open her time capsule, if you're new here, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you're old here, please do consider giving us an honest ideally positive review in iTunes and either way please do join the Facebook group it's called the audio time capsule and it's on Facebook obviously but for now let's open the audio time capsule of Beck Hill hi my name is Lord Sith of the Dark World I've no it's not it's Beck Hill but I was told to introduce myself by the name I hope to be going by in a year and I think Lord Sith of the Dark World is uh the most imaginative surely and original um so I'm Beck Hill it is the 5th of February 2017 and I'm in the room above the Bill Murray which is the new venue by Angel Comedy and uh, there is prep going on for a show downstairs which I'm not a part of, (laughs) because I am too big for my boots. Actually, I was waiting downstairs to do this project, which is very exciting, and 
lots of people thanked me for coming, thinking I was coming to see their previews. And instead, I'm here for purely selfish reasons. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this entire thing pans out. Hello, this is Lord Sith of the Dark World, as I'm sure you remember hearing loads about in the last year. I can't keep this up. I um, I had completely forgotten that I said that I wanted to be referred to by that name and had to be reminded before we pressed record. This is Beck Hill. It is the 4th of February 2018 and I am about to hear the questions I recorded a year ago and I don't remember what any of them were about. So I'm quite uh, excited and amused and hoping this doesn't start some sort of horrible self-reflection before I came out my friend uh, Ian Jackson said to me uh, he's worried that it's I'm just going to ask myself a question and then it's just going to pause and then you'll hear hello darkness my old friend (laughs) so hopefully that won't happen and um, I won't give myself a nervous breakdown hello future Beck this is past Beck my first question to you is did you finish The Artist Way? Because right now, in 2017, you are coming up to week four, which is where you got to last time and you failed. So I want to know, did you finish it? Did it help with anything? Did it unblock any stuff? And did you continue with the good habits that you learned for it? Or are you trying to write more again and make up for all the mistakes you made in December? First of all, how long is that question? Or like I ask it initially in the beginning and then I just keep going. How boring, boring past Beck. Uh, I'll try and make this quick. Yes, I did. I finished it. Yay. Well done, me. It was really good. Um, Hard, but good. I actually ended up in the process of doing my morning pages, which is um, part of the the Artist Way course. Uh, Ended up coming up with a sitcom idea which was then turned into a proper pitch at the end of last year, which I've now been meeting with various producers about. I've already got at least one who's really keen to take it on, and I've got a couple of other meetings coming up in the following weeks before I make a decision. But, uh, yeah, so um, that turned out really good. Good good choice. Funnily enough, I've been thinking about whether to do The Artist's Way again this year and I've been like oh no it was too hard it's not worth it and yet when I look back I'm like oh yeah actually no it was really useful well done I genuinely didn't think you'd finish it I'd also like to know this is more of a question for future Simon but do you have your own recording studio now or are you still recording while shows go on in the background with music and some such is are you and Beck are you doing any podcasts that aren't recorded in people's houses or cafes or whatnot. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, well, hang on. No, let's start again. Can you play that question for me again? I'd also like to know, this is more of a question for future Simon, but do you have your own recording studio now? Or are you still recording while shows go on in the background with music and some such? Is are you And Beck, are you doing any podcasts that aren't recorded in people's houses or cafes or whatnot? Um, well, we are back upstairs at the Bill Murray, as we were last time we recorded this, and there is a show happening downstairs as we speak, which you might be able to hear mumbling and cheering from as well. I believe it's the Chortle Student Comedy thing of the year, or some, of the year? Is that what it is? We're, in ju- we're just in February now. That's an early time to decide, isn't it? Oh, oh, Chortle students. Such, so much potential. Um... <laughs> Um, so I think this answers that Simon does not have a recording studio yet, but in fairness, a year is not a long time to get yourself your own recording studio. So I think that was a bit harsh of you to ask, uh, past Beck. Um, I have done some podcasts in, um, proper recording studios, but they've been less fun. I, I can't back that up. I don't, I can't remember what they were. They're probably just as fun. I did do one that was via... I've done a few via Skype and that's bad because you can like get distracted and start doing your own emails while you're in the middle of doing a podcast. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, done. 
Did you start brushing your teeth in the morning like you said you would, or do you still use gum when you leave the house and <laughs> pretend it's just as good? I just spat out my gum on the way upstairs. No, I don't brush my teeth in the morning still. I went to the dentist when I was back in Australia, and apparently my teeth are fine, except for one that has a massive crack in it. Um, and uh, we didn't have time to get it filled, so I'm going to have to find a dentist here in London, finally, instead of just going to the old one in Adelaide every time I'm back there every few years. Um, but yeah, no, haven't haven't started brushing them in the morning. Still not entirely convinced it makes a difference. Oh, you're so gross. Start doing that. Did you keep using your Fitbit and logging your food? And if you are not using it now, when did you give up? Oh, okay. I did. I stopped logging the food because that got hard and boring. But I should log it because when I do, I I did lose um uh, a bit of weight not like I'm not to say I'm not happy with it but just in terms of fitness I was eating better and feeling better uh and then I got lazy and stopped recording logging my food I got a new Fitbit for Christmas um because it has a watch on it and it has a heart monitor and oh my gosh I went to Luna Park in Melbourne when I was back in Australia like in January and before, I went on the ghost train and I haven't been on a ghost train since I was a little kid and I was so scared of ghost trains and the idea of them. And when I went as a little kid, I had my eyes shut for the entire time because I was convinced that whatever was happening outside was more horrifying than I could possibly cope with. And so then I was terrified about going on a ghost train again and I checked my heart rate and it was at like 94 and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. And then it was so bad, like so exceedingly bad that I laughed the whole time. And I mean bad as in like not even like there was just – the train just like went past some cages with like stuffed animals in them and stuff. And then and there was like UV glow-in-the-dark paint on the walls, but not like anyone going boo or whatever. And then when the train came out, I checked my heart rate on the new Fitbit and it had gone down to 82. So apparently found it a relaxing experience. Um, So that was pretty cool. Uh, I need to get back into logging food because when I was in Melbourne, I was away for a week um, and I put on five kilos, which is 11 pounds in a week. Um, So yeah, I, uh, I should probably start logging my food again. Here's a career question. Uh, So the time that you did this, that I'm doing this, you were working on becoming a much more conversational comedian, someone who could talk to the audience and get different reactions from them and banter with them as opposed to getting thrown anytime someone starts joining in or, or chatting. Did you succeed at that? And did you take as many risks with your 2017 show as you wanted or did you end up falling back into bad habits? The 2017 show was uh, a lot more conversational so I think I did fit that in the way I wanted. Um, Basically the entire show, all the jokes are in post-it form and people can yell out and that did mean that I got a lot more sort of chatty people in the show and I felt a lot more comfortable dealing with them. Um, I didn't feel like it had made a difference, but I say that, and I did a, a very late night show last night that started at midnight and Ross Noble was emceeing, so the audience were really up for chatting. And, um, and in fairness, he kind of told them not to chat when the acts were on, which was nice. But I still got some people yelling out and everything, and I just felt confident enough to kind of reply to it and deal with it without feeling flustered or like I was being attacked. And um, the audience was on my side, and that was really nice. And I'm now wondering if that had anything to do with how I did my show last year. So I think uh, I wouldn't say that the difference has been huge. Uh, I still can't walk on stage and just like say, hey, you, where'd you get that shirt, stupid Ville? Because um, I find that hard. But uh, yeah, hopefully I'm a better comedian even if I don't think I am until I'm on stage and I'm I'm guessing it is making a difference oh that's great all right well now I'm looking forward to doing Edinburgh thanks for telling me that and uh, it's cool that you get to gig with with Ross as well 
At the time of recording this interview, uh, it is the day before you do Go A Bit, which you're very excited and nervous about. How did that turn out? Because, I mean, <laughs> right now, you're probably equal parts excited and nervous, despite the fact that the show is essentially created for you, in that you know everyone involved with the show, you've been there since it was a live show, you love playing video games, and you like panel shows, and yet you're still not sure if you're ready for this. Did it go well? Did you? Is there anything you could have changed about how you came across on there did it lead to more panel show things that you wanted or are you still suffering from horrible horrible imposter syndrome uh, yes, I have imposter syndrome the show went well in that uh, you were terrible um, at the games you did really bad uh, it was the closest that Steve McNeil's team has ever had to having a winning streak. We only happened to, uh, Sam Pamphlon and you slash me, uh, only managed to win the last round, therefore meaning that um, it wasn't a complete wipeout. Um, and I do feel like I let myself down. I feel like I let my gender down because annoyingly when you're the only woman competing on something like that, um, it's often blamed on your gender rather than the fact that you as a person are a bit rubbish. So um, hopefully that will change eventually. But it was a fun it was a fun gig. I got a lot of followers out of it. Um, they cut out a thing. They there's a, one of the games um, I'd never played before and didn't even get time to rehearse. And then they made me frame it as if it was like my favorite game and I wanted to play it because that's how television works. And in the recording, I said that I picked the game because I'd never had a chance to play it and this was my first time to play it. And then when I went so badly, afterwards we riffed on how bad it went and how funny that was. And in the final cut, they cut out all the stuff about it being their first time playing the game. So I got all this stuff on Twitter of people being like, why would you choose this? You're terrible at it. And I was like, because they edited out the part where I said that I've never played it before. <laughs> um, so I felt really stitched up there and a bit pissed off, to be honest. It's got nothing to do with the people that I like who were involved in it. Um, it's producers and, and stuff like that. But it was a bit of a shitty move. Um, excuse the language. <laughs> Hopefully no children listening. Um, bleep it out, Simon. Bleep it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was annoying. But overall, it went well. It did not lead to much in the way of panel shows, but you've done a few more TV things since then. You've just finished filming some stuff for a pilot for ITV called Jokes. Well, that's its working title at the moment. Um, so hopefully that'll that'll go on air soon, and some talking head shows and and things like that. So it's it's certainly not been the end of your TV career. Um, and uh oh oh and the other thing is that uh you well I went to Hong Kong in um January just a couple of weeks ago and while I was there I thought I'd do a gig at pretty much their only comedy club called Takeout Comedy and a fella came along because he'd seen me on Go 8 Bit and um yeah we chatted afterwards so I I have a fan in Hong Kong now thanks to Go 8 Bit so yeah that was a was a good thing overall at the moment, you're really worried that you'll never make a flip chart thing as good as the Edith Piaf one went, which was quite successful. Have you managed to top it? I mean, right now, you're finding it really hard to imagine you ever will, but have you? And what advice do you have for yourself in another year's time when you need to top whatever you've managed to make in the last year? <laughs> I have not topped it. I've tried so hard and I haven't topped it. Um, in the last year, I made a flip chart about Elon Musk, uh, which which did okay, but isn't quite as accessible um, to larger audiences. And, um, and I did one about Die Hard just before Christmas. Um, I haven't performed it live, though, because it's... Um, I think it works better on, on camera just because there's a lot of detail in it that you wouldn't be able to see from the audience. Um, and that, that went okay too, but just nothing has reached the peaks of Edith Piaf to the point that um, it is falling apart and normally falling apart is my... Co I take that as the universe telling me it's time to move on and make a new thing. Stop using this because it's literally falling to pieces. But instead, last night before I did my late night show... I transferred all the pages into a brand new flip chart 
um, thus giving it maybe at least another year's life span. So um, I haven't topped it. I've got some ideas for some new sort of misheard lyrics thing. I would have liked to do something more creative, but I think in terms of what the public like, misheard lyrics is the way. Annoyingly, I, I'm just going to play it for for views. So <laughs> um, who knows? By this time next year, I might have might have topped it with a new misheard foreign language thing how creative ah okay well at least i do attempt to make some new ones and at least that gives us something to do in the future in september did you and gav go to north america uh, for his 40th birthday and did you do the whole twin peaks thing that you wanted to do uh this time last year or did you leave it too late and forget to book it in time and now you have loads of regrets. No, we did it. We did it. We went to Washington State and it was legit the best holiday we've ever been on. Uh, it was really fun. We did all the Twin Peaks stuff. He had a lovely time. Uh, we went hiking. Uh, it, yeah, it was just magical. I, def- I desperately want to go back. Um, you also went to Seattle and it was really fun and I really want to go back there again. And I would live there. I would 100% live there. It was great. Well, well done. Well done for getting that finally booked and for making the holiday. Oh, yeah, and I've got a holiday to look forward to. Yay. Did you ever stop being able to eat pizza once a week? I've been trying so hard not to eat pizza since I got back. Like, so, so hard because of the whole putting on loads of weight in one week um, thing. I've remembered how great sweet corn is. Oh, my gosh, corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. Why aren't we all eating this all the time? It became like my theme of my recent trip out to Australia um, because it was just in loads of food I was eating and I forgot how much I like it. So um, as a way of staving off my pangs for melted cheese on bread, I've been <laughs> boiling corn on the cob and then just sprinkling a bit of sea salt on it and it's been it's been keeping it at bay. So, uh yeah, yeah, I've, um, I mean, I don't know if I'll last, what, like, n- cutting it out of once a week, but um, so far, so good. Okay, good to know, good to know. If you're cutting back from pizza, that means I get to eat more pizza in the meantime. You wrote a script in, uh, the, in 2015 um, a, for a short film type thing about Valentine's Day, and you left it too late to submit did you get to submit it for early 2018 or have you left it too late again? Or I left did it too you late again. instead not get it in and then maybe use someone else to make it? And if so, how did it go? I left it too late. <laughs> I left it too late again. I, as Just before I went away in December, I was like, oh, yeah, if I get back at the end of January, which means that wouldn't be enough time to film it and get it out in time for Valentine's. And so I just remembered, like, as we were nearing the end of December, I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to make 2018. So I, um, I'm going to find some, I'm going to find an independent person to make it and we'll, we'll get it and film it and hopefully have it ready for 2019 Valentine's. Yep, I knew you would. Well, yeah, let's make sure that you get that done for 2019 then. Who ate all the Kinder eggs back? Who ate all the Kinder eggs? It was you again, wasn't it? It was. No, it was. It was, yeah. And did you log them into your Fitbit app on your phone? No. I bet you didn't. No, I didn't. Because you're not even doing that now. No. No, I really, yeah, I know I ate them all. I'm still doing it. I genuinely, I, when we were filming the ITV thing the other day, they asked if we wanted anything from the shops, and my instant reaction was Kinder Eggs. Speaking of fitness, you're trying to swim once a week. How's that going? Oh, terribly. That you, I don't think you've done it since you recorded this, and you've got all the gear back as well. Like you've got nice bathers, you've got uh, like I've got like an underwater MP3 player, so I can listen to stuff while I'm swimming. Do you use it? Do you heck? No, no, you're you're a terrible person. (laughs) I don't really, I don't really believe that. Well, I'll have to make sure that I go swimming when I'm in Australia. Then at least in the sea doesn't have to be for exercise, but just, you know, get in the water. You've also started attending a new church. 
which is in Holloway, uh, and it's a lovely one. It's the first one you've been to in ages that you actively look forward to attending. Have you kept up with that? Uh, if you haven't, what stopped you? Was it the things in the past just to do with getting, not being able to get up early or struggling to keep up a routine? Or is it because you've been away a lot of Sundays? Uh, and if you are still going, uh, good, good for you. Yes, yes to all the above. Uh, I have been going, but when I haven't been going, it's been a mix of being away or, as today proves, um, sleeping in because you had a very late gig and so you allowed yourself uh, the fact that you probably wouldn't be awake. Uh, It's a great church. Um, Really enjoying it. I've made some really good contacts uh, there. So I did a gig in Sheffield and the brother of a guy who attends that church, Chris, um, put... Uh, me and Tannen up for a night and we had a really nice time and and he's totally on the same wavelength which was cool and uh on Christmas on Christmas Eve we went to midnight mass with Gav and we snuck in a bottle of whiskey and then after mass when most of the people had left we um we took it out and asked Reverend Dave if he would care for a nightcap and then um uh, he, he and his wife Pat and Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And uh, uh, one of the other guys, Chris, um, uh, at the uh, in the church, we all sat down and had a had a drink at about two a.m. on Christmas Eve. It was really nice. So uh, yeah, it's a good church. Like it, rate it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good because this is something I've always been worried about, and I'm really glad I've managed to find a church that I fit into. So that gives me a lot of hope. Would you like a baby bell? Yes. I'm really hoping that I remember in a year's time to bring a baby bell. Oh, no, I didn't. Why would you do that to yourself? You're horrible. Why would you do that? Now I want a baby bell and I don't have one. I'm going to go buy one after this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> so, so Simon Gaines just pulled out a bag of baby bells from his pocket. Oh, do that so you can hear it. Oh, that's amazing. All right, we're going to have these afterwards. You're, at the moment in your comedy, you discuss how much you don't want children quite a lot. I'm assuming that hasn't changed because that's something that you've been pretty staunch on for a long time. But uh, on the off chance that a horrific accident occurs, that for moral reasons you really struggle to rectify, I thought I should put this question in here. Because otherwise, if in a year you're like, ah, crap, I've got triplets, then you'd be like, why didn't I ask myself something that would allow me to talk about that on this project? Have you got kids? Because you're not planning on it. So if you do, I'm going to be pretty weirded out. Why would you? Are they yours? Did you just steal them? Have you stolen some children? Where did you get them from? Why would you ask yourself that, you weirdo? Go back to the baby bells. It's probably because I was thinking of the word baby from baby bells. 
uh, no, you don't have kids. You're smart. Like you're smarter than that. You don't accidentally like fall into them or something. Is that how you get? I don't know. They just like stick to you like those weird, you know, like those um, prickly like we- weird things that you get on stuck to your socks when you walk through tall grass. Is that how it works? <laughs> you come out the other side and you're covered in babies. Um, no, no, you don't have kids. Um, a lot of your friends are having kids. Um, Lots of pregnancies have been announced. Ben Vanderveld and Tina Duyeb, some of your very closest friends, are going to have some babies. So um, you'll be busy looking after theirs and, and um, pretending that you like them. So, uh, yeah, don't worry about that. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, that is a relief. Also, before I forget, in the answer to the baby bell one, I didn't bring baby bells today, but I was in Dublin and I happened to be gigging at the same time that Jim Campbell was gigging in Dublin and so we met up afterwards and went drinking and played pool and and we you know when you're really drunk and you're really hungry and I dug into my pocket and found a bag of baby bells and then gave everyone a baby bell and uh, it was the happiest day of my life. Are you a better comedian than you were a year ago? Geez I hope so yeah I think so I, I haven't got a new club set that's annoying me. I've been doing the same sort of Club 20 for about the last year and that's been fine because all the audiences and, you know, they're constantly changing so they don't know it's it's not the, you know, a new club set. But I do get self-conscious with some of the promoters and the other comedians where I'm like, oh my gosh, you've seen this so many times. So I'd really like to start writing some new stuff to put in there that I feel comfortable enough doing. But I think, yeah, I think I'm a better comedian. Are you a better person than you were a year ago? I don't think I am. I think if anything, I've started to realise that I'm not as good a person that I thought I was. Uh, like, I I encourage vegans and I think it's a really great thing and I think it's the way the world needs to go to be sustainable and ethically correct. And yet... I will still eat what, you know, like it doesn't stop me from eating from McDonald's or even KFC. I try not to eat from KFC, but I still do. And I'm always like saying how we should be buying more ethically as well and and, and thinking about where our clothes and everything come from. And yeah, I will still happily buy stuff from H&M and Primark and stuff. I, I haven't really been practicing what I preach. That's something I've become aware of. And I need to work out whether I'm okay with that or if I'm going to actually do anything about it, which is a bit of a bummer. But, you know, you don't change unless you self-reflect, do you? You can't become a better person if you don't realise where your faults lie. At the moment, the things that stress you the most is time management with admin, worrying about whether you can afford your flat if they put the rent up, and not eating as healthily as you should. Are you still worried about these things? And if you're not, what worries have replaced them? I am, well, we we got the flat uh, lease extended to the end of 2019. So those stresses are there, but they'll lay dormant until the end of 2019. Uh, I am still terrible with time management and was late for this recording by about half an hour. Um, my admin is still behind, but uh, I feel that I'm starting to get a better control, better grip on it. Um, I, I stepped away from things like Facebook and stuff where I was wasting a lot of time um, getting into online debates uh, and not writing. So I think I'm vaguely getting better at that. Um, and I've been eating slightly healthier for the last week, but we'll see how that goes replacement stresses uh, replacement stresses are probably just more with immediate things like uh you're working on your new show um and so it's going to be more about have you left enough time to write jokes for that show or are you just I think I'm just doing loads of concepts and props and I haven't really like I'm getting a flamethrower uh, that's my latest stress is um, working out the red tape for using a flamethrower in a venue 
um, I, I was going to buy the Elon Musk one and then realized that it doesn't ship till spring. And if it was held at customs, then that might mean it wouldn't arrive in time for my new show in August. So instead, I'm having one made uh, by a policeman. So hopefully legal. And uh, yeah, so that's your latest stress is the purchasing and legal use of flamethrower. What's your new mansion like? Oh, shut up, pass back. What a, what a dick. <laughs> and how was it when David Tennant propositioned you and you had to turn him down because of your husband? <laughs> um, Gaff and I actually went to go see Don Juan in Soho that uh, David Tennant was in and we were three rows away from, from the stage. And so I was so close to him and he's so talented and he's so amazing. And he was so good in the play that I actually felt bad for objectifying him. And how much did you enjoy the threesome with your husband and David Tennant? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a lady never kisses and tells. How much did Gav enjoy the threesome with you and David Tennant? (laughs) Um, uh, Heaps. I'm glad Gav enjoyed it as much as you and David did. At the moment, you've got a pilot that's been optioned for Beck and Tom (laughs) with uh, CBBC or BBC Scotland Children's Division and you're having a phone call with them next week to discuss it. How did that go? Well, we ended up uh, going up to BBC Scotland and um, the team got professional actors and we rehearsed the pilot and then performed it for the commissioner of CBBC and uh, everyone was very positive and excited and sure that this was going to happen and three days later the commissioner said no uh, said that didn't fit the brief don't know how literally was written to the brief um, but apparently uh, when the commissioner says that um, you can't go back and say you're wrong so that was the end of that. It was heartbreaking after several years of work um, for it to just lead to nowhere. So we might try and pitch it to a commercial station, but yeah, it's just kind of been on the back burner now. So that's unfortunate. Um, however, I, I'm still in touch with the team. Uh, one of the um, team from BBC Scotland have moved back to comedy instead of children's. So uh, they helped with the new uh, sitcom that I've been pitching, um, which is a sci-fi sitcom. So that's uh, BBC. Stu- they passed on to BBC Studios, who I'm meeting with next week. So that's kind of led somewhere. And uh, the CBBC guys are looking to pitch... Um, some uh, new shows which they got myself and a few others into uh, brainstorm some ideas for the other day so it's all led on to other stuff so it's not necessarily the end if your tv show got picked up or is in development how's that going oh well probably I shouldn't have got ahead of myself there uh it's not it's not back it's not if your TV show did not get picked up and is no longer in development, did you try and take it to anyone else or did you try and do anything else with that script or have you moved on to an entirely new project altogether? So the option took us up until October and then Tom and I were both very busy with other things but it is now free for us to take to other places so we uh, now is the time for us to do that. So we haven't yet but we might. Has anyone in your life died within the last year I just just for uh, reference Simon just whispered Gav when I asked if anyone had died in the last year so um, if he has died in the last year you you're you now are allowed to just slap Simon across the face <laughs> and storm out in tears um, of course I don't think he'll include any of that in the final product <laughs> but uh, who knows We'll see where his artistic integrity lies. <laughs> I just, I sound so cheery when I say, like, has anyone in your life died? Like, as if that wouldn't have affected me in any way. Uh, no one, oh, geez, now I'm terrified that someone has and I've blanked them. And, like, how rude is that? Like, it's one thing to forget someone's name, but to forget that they died entirely. Um, I don't think anyone 
close to me. Sure, sure, there has been um, some uh, some people have passed away, which is which is always sad. But I don't think anyone I'm particularly close to has. I haven't been to any funerals. Let's put it that way. I haven't been to any funerals in the last year. That is. What's the best gig you remember having within the last year? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, oh, I don't know. I've had some really nice ones. Um, some really good versions of the, the show, um, which was called uh, Out of Order. Um, yeah, some re- the, the last one I did at the Pleasance was um, just in November in London was, uh, was really lovely. Had a really nice audience in. One of those ones where it would have been very easy to overrun. Um, and then uh, some of the previews of it actually were really nice and some of the ones in Edinburgh obviously um, so I guess probably one of those but there's been some just I've been doing a lot of Glee Club gigs and especially the Cardiff ones have been so nice so I'm, I'm very much enjoying those and the team that work there so yeah I guess that's a good thing if I can't like pinpoint one gig in particular that must be a good thing yeah I definitely have had great ones the worst gig you remember having in the last year oh yeah now that would be the Christmas shows that I did in Birmingham in December uh the um uh, what made it okay is that everyone had a terrible time uh but they they were really hard I maybe had got like one show that I was actually really happy with out of out of four or five of them five of them yeah you did five shows and one of them you were like oh yeah you've got this but um the other four were really hard um I think also uh one thing I realized that I was doing wrong though is that because they were so rowdy I was going out very aggressive thinking that that's what I needed to get them their attention and their respect and on that one show uh it was it was the second to last one that I did the very last one, they were too drunk that nothing would have worked and everyone had a terrible time. But the second to last one I did, I, I realised that I wasn't being myself. I was being this, this really aggressive and, and uh, uh, sort of angry type um, coming out and sort of just yelling to make sure that they were listening. And uh, instead I came out just normally me and just sort of said, oh, you guys, you're so lovely. And like just kind of described watching them from the side and, and just was myself. And I, I kind of think they warmed to that because I was... I wasn't trying to be something that I'm not and um, and they were a lot more on my side and that was really nice. It was still rowdy but on my side and um, I think that was a really big moment for me. Uh, it was a good thing to come out of a bad gig was to realise that uh, not to lose a sense of myself when I'm doing something I'm scared of. Who's the most famous person that you've met within the last year? As a side note to that question vernon Kay is on go eight bit tomorrow and as simon rightfully pointed out if the most famous person you've met within the last year is vernon Kay, then that is pretty sad <laughs> i want you to go into another room look yourself in the mirror and say <laughs> why do i not have any more famous friends um oh i feel like i i have I don't tend to ask for photos with people because I'm always, you know, because I, I like to, when you have a photo with someone, I feel like you, you're then put, elevating them on a level above you. And obviously career-wise that is definitely the case, but I, I don't like taking photos of people because I always think, no, because then you're going to feel stupid if you do become friends with this person and then you've got this photo of you with them like their biggest fan. So, but the problem with that is I can't remember if I have met anyone more famous than Vernon Kay in the last, in the last year. Um, uh, I mean, I have, but they're people that I knew before I met Vernon Kay. So I don't think that counts, does it? Any new ones? Oh, Simon is mouthing Ross Noble. I've actually known Ross Noble for a very long time. Um, I met Ross Noble when I just started comedy in Melbourne. Um, or in Ad- I started in Adelaide and then I moved to Melbourne and I gigged with him when I was like 19 or something. So, um, yeah, I've known him for a long time. Uh, technically, yes, he's more famous than I did meet him. But um, meeting for the first time, um, I don't... I don't think I have 
oh no, I'm going to have to go into the other room and look at myself in the mirror, aren't I? I I've definitely tweeted with people famous. Um, Sharon Horgan uh, replied to one of my tweets and said she uh, liked my, um, she liked the Edith Piaf video, <laughs> which says something that I, uh, that's the best I'll ever do. So uh, that was cool. I was excited about that. Uh, but yeah, no one in. Oh, and the um, I created a Die Hard video, that one I was talking about, and um, the screenwriter of Die Hard uh, um, retweeted it. So uh, yeah, if Twitter counts, then yes. If not, mm, I don't think so. If any, if any celebrities are listening and they met me in the last year, uh, and and you're upset that I haven't mentioned you. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry that I just have so many celebrity friends that I forgot at what point I met you. What are you going to have for lunch? I've just had breakfast. Um, that's uh, that's why I was late because um, I had breakfast at lunchtime. So I had soft boiled eggs as always, and I'll probably have some baby bell cheese after this. If you could go back to now, uh, the fifth of February two thousand sixteen, when this interview is being recorded would you add any more questions or any questions you wish I'd asked you and how would you answer those well my first question is why did you say 2016 when it was definitely 2017 you idiot um I can't believe I'm correcting myself from the future um I think I've been asking myself questions as I've been going along and answering these um but new questions I have for myself are how does your new show go? Do you have a flamethrower in it? Uh, the the whole show concept. This is brilliant, by the way, because the whole the whole concept of my new show is that I've come back from the future to tell everyone what's happening in the future, and uh, this is very surreal. Uh, feels like it's a part of it. So, how does that go? Is it uh, as technically brilliant as you want it to be and does the comedy therefore suffer or have you managed to pull off the ultimate of style and substance um and how is it at, so I'm not doing Edinburgh Fringe this year that was a big decision I'm I'm debuting the new show at Soho Theatre in August so uh, how was that was that the right decision and uh, will you be taking the new show to Edinburgh in 2019 are there any opportunities you could have had in the last year that you didn't take and you now regret? No, actually. Um, if anything, I probably there's probably too many things that I, I think I put on my plate and I'd maybe wish that I'd allowed myself some more time. I was on the road a lot, so there was a moment between July, uh, June and October where for the span of those months in between, I hadn't been home for more than three nights in a row. So I was constantly on the road and gigging out of town and stuff, and I was so tired all the time, and I didn't feel like I had time to be creative because I was constantly on the move. So um, I guess saying that aloud now, maybe that means that I need to take it a bit easier this year. Is there anything that you did do during the last year that you wish you hadn't? Oh well, there you go. You just you just answered that. You're a terrible time traveler. You should have you should have known that you were going to ask that then. Um, so uh, if anything, uh, this has been a humbling time travel experience. All right, all right. I'm very new to this time travel business, so you know. In fact, you're the one time traveling. I'm in the past interviewing you so you're the one that's gone back to tell me how things are going so if anything this is on you are there any major events or big things that happened in the last year that you totally did not expect that you'd like to talk about uh let's see i think brexit and trump had already happened hadn't they so we're still talking about that that's um that's a thing i guess i'm just surprised that that trump is still in power uh there was some some uh, you know horrible events that have happened um but there's always going to be horrible events sadly um fortunately nothing that has affected people that you're close to but you know that's not to say that they won't and it's still sad because it would have affected other people but um no nothing immediately springs to mind except for the the purchasing of a flamethrower what was the biggest lesson you learned in the last year? It's 
really hard one. That's really, really difficult to say. I guess uh, performance-wise, it's to yeah always always be myself on stage um, and not to hide behind any false personality if I feel threatened uh, in real life I don't know I think I'm still learning those lessons I have to ask myself in another year well thanks for taking the time get it Ta- taking the time because you've time traveled back to ask these questions obviously thanks for taking the time to answer my questions Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. See, I did, I did it again. That was Beck. Hearing her being so honest and open about her freeway with David Tennant was not how I thought this show was going to go. Uh, I quite enjoyed hearing the follow-up answer to the brushing teeth one in the morning, something that I sometimes skip out on, but I do think it makes a difference. Sorry, Beck. Um... I also had to rush over the road before recording that episode to buy some baby bells, so I am kind of glad you ran late, but don't assume everyone else is out buying you cheese before things because you're running late. I think that's a special thing we've got now. (laughs) It was great watching her face when I got out the baby bell. It was like a child at Christmas. She was over the blooming moon, which was great to watch. Um, Beck, Beck might not be going to Edinburgh, but I am. I am doing my third solo show. It is called Sex, Drugs and Other Things I Never Do. It will be at the Novotel Hotel in the Grass Market at 6pm every day, except Wednesdays when I get rudely awoken by the dustman. You can reserve a seat for £5 ahead of time, or you can chance it and turn up and pay what you want on exit. If you're enjoying these podcasts and you want to support my work, please do come down to any of these, or you can come see me on tour, and you can find all the dates for that at simonkane.co.uk starting in September. But if you do want to check out Beck's live show, she is doing a run at the Soho Theatre in August and I'm gutted to be missing it. I've loved all the shows I've seen of hers and I think she's amazing. So if you aren't going to Edinburgh and you live in London or you are in an area that has a train line that goes to London, isn't that everywhere? Every train goes to London, don't they? Pretty certain most do. Either way, if you can get to London, do go and see her latest show and tweet me and her and tell us how it was, if it was good. Don't just tweet us if you hated it, because that'd be weird. But I'd be surprised if you did, because she's very, very good. The audio time capsule is a Fruit That Got In Gravity's Way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane, except the music that was composed by David Jordan. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days' time. Bye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.